Hi, and welcome to episode 57 of Oscar Podcast. I'm here with Craig Kennedy from livingincinema.com, Ryan Adams, and me, Sasha Stone from awardsdaily.com, and we're here with special guest Michael Gray. There's a lot to talk about because the DGA Awards just happened last night. As expected, as every pundit in the world except me predicted, um, Alfonso Cuaron won for Gravity, his first win, um, and Steve McQueen did not win. Unfortunately, and Martin Scorsese did not win. Um, but Alfonso Cuarón won. He continues his winning streak. He's won the Golden Globe, and the Critics' Choice, um, and a, and a few other Critics' Awards for Best Director. And now it's a cliffhanger because we have three Best Pictures that the guilds have anointed, and they're funnily enough the same three that we've known for months you know are, are charging through the oscar race they're all three very popular american hustle is popular with the actors and the producers guild tied with 12 years a slave and gravity and now the dga went for gravity so that's two for gravity and one for the other two that puts gravity ahead to win best picture uh everybody's predicting it to split but it can only really split in a in a weighted ballot scenario we don't know how the preferential ballot is going to turn out the only voting body, the only voting body in the entire awards race that does a preferential ballot besides the Academy is the Producers Guild, and that resulted in a tie. DGA does a weighted ballot, and every other Oscar category has five um, five contenders, and they use a weighted ballot. Only for Best Picture do they pick a preferential. So basically, there is no way to predict how that ballot is going to go. Now, picking per- Gravity is probably your best bet, being that Argo, um, King's Speech, The Artist, The Hurt Locker, all won picture and director under the preferential ballot. Argo did not because Ben Affleck wasn't on the ballot, and so that's why we don't count that year, because the fact that he wasn't on the ballot impacted the race itself. So voters didn't have a choice between... Um, picture and director well they could have they could have picked like let's say Life of Pi for picture and director but they wanted to award Argo because he had been snubbed so that makes it not comparable to the last few years anyway that's where we are right now um, it's looking to me like they're going. it's going to be a shutout once again of, of the, the wonderful kind of new wave of black filmmakers that have come, come into the race never before have we had three strong films the Weinstein Co. backed two of those movies. They were completely shut out. The Butler and Fruitvale Station were just, nope, sorry, we don't like you. We'll, we'll allow 12 Years a Slave to come into our race. And now it's looking like, for one reason or another, maybe because people don't want to see the movie, maybe because the movie's too hard-hitting, maybe because it's not feel good enough, maybe because it's not showy enough, whatever the reason, it looks like Gravity is going to end up being the best picture of 2013. That's that's one way to look at it. I want I want to I want I'm I'm usually the t- I'm usually the same as you, Sasha. I'm, I'm usually the person who wants to rally around one movie and 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 be uh, supportive of it in all the major categories. But I'm willing this year to give to be a little bit more flexible. For one thing, I'm always a really big fan of directors who do something really showing and visually flamboyant, and so it doesn't upset me at all so much that Quaron. Um, one the DGA. I'm also thinking that as much as I do hate that 
Fruitville Station and the Butler were shut out of the nominations, I actually think that might be a good thing for 12 Years a Slave, because if there are people, and I do believe there are people, who are so inclined to want to wish that the Academy would make some sort of statement about the wave of black filmmaking, now they can now, now their, their votes will not be split three ways, but they have one one movie to rally around yeah. that, that they can make a statement with. Right, and they won't, so... I'm thinking that they won't too, but I do. But I do think that it's a toss-up. I think that in the same way that the Producers Guild was a toss-up, I think it's going to be really, really close. I think it's going to be just by a nose for either one of them. And so I'm just willing to think that the coin can fall either way. It can be heads or tails. So I'm not willing to give up on Twelve Years a Slave for Best Picture yet. I, I really myself. like. I really like what Steve uh, with uh, Alfonso Cuarón did with Gravity. It's incredibly beautiful. But that movie. Make no mistake, that's a visual effects-driven film. I mean, it's debatable whether that's a director-driven film. That's a movie that you have to give equal credit to the visual. Just like with Life of Pi and just like with Avatar, you have to give equal credit to the visual effects people because they're the ones that really drove gravity and made it what it was. So you have to give credit to the director for having that vision and communicating that vision to the people who have the skills to bring it forth. Right, but it's still a shared award, I think. Um, in the same way, sometimes with Scorsese, um, a shared award with Thelma Schoonmaker, his editor, or, or certainly Sally Menke with um, Tarantino, or a lot of times the writer, like Paul Schrader with Scorsese. You know, you... You share credit. That's why when people talk about him, uh, Quaron being a visionary, I say, yeah, I agree. But this caveat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying in any way that Scorsese and what Scorsese and, and Steve McQueen did was not virtuoso. Their directing is absolutely astonishing to me. And I could I could go on and on about what both of them did. But I just mean for the more casual viewer, they're going to be wowed a lot more by the by the by the flamboyance that they see splashed across the screen and the 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 wild things that Quaron um, attempted to do and achieved so really, really well, whether or not he had the visual effects assistance or not, I agree that it is a visual effects movie, but, but, but so was Life of Pi, but we don't take, we don't take away from Ang Lee what he was able to do in Life of Pi. Right. And I just, I am sorry, but I can't compare the two movies. I loved Gravity for what oh. it was, but it is so leagues behind what Life of Pi was to Oh, me. yeah, I agree, too. You know how I love Life of Pi. As, as time has gone on, it's, it's absolutely right. become my favorite movie of the year, of that year and maybe of the past five years, yeah. because it has so much depth going on in, in, in meaning and, and significance to me that, that, that Gravity will never have. Oh, my God, and, and Gravity has, like, five lines of dialogue. It's a very simplistic... It's sort of, to me, as much as I love it and as much as I can write endlessly about it, being from a woman point of view... <clears throat> at the end of the day, the story is so thin, it could have been conceived by a 16-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, it's not mm -hmm. that complicated to think woman in space, woman misses baby, woman says goodbye to baby, woman goes back to Earth. Like, literally, you that's the plot. You said it so well, either in your State of the Race piece or in the comments earlier today, when you said that... Um, Gravity almost functions as a, sil as a silent movie. You could enjoy silent. You could enjoy Gravity if you didn't understand a word of English without subtitles. Right, and that's sort of the new model for Best Picture. That's uh, not Best Picture, but Hollywood. That's the new model. International cinema, international box office is where it's at, and uh, visual effects and high on emotion and low on complications. Like people don't really want a lot of 
complications. Just just give me the theme, give me the story, and and plug and play anywhere. And that's not a bad thing. That's the future. But that's what gravity is. That's what it represents to me. It's it's that. And there have always been great movies like that. There have been movies that have been masterpieces like that. And not that I'm any, not, you Life know, not only would that, I not yeah. compare gravity to Life of Pi, but I certainly wouldn't compare gravity to Jaws. But Jaws did the same thing. It absolutely took people on a thrill ride. And at the end of the movie, it wrapped things up really tidily. And there were no questions to be asked at the end of the movie. Right. And so everybody could leave the theater feeling satisfied and content and didn't have to give it much thought afterwards. And that's the way I feel about gravity. And that's but right. I, that's a good comparison because the problems that Quaron had to solve while making that movie are very much like the same kind of problems that um, that Spielberg had to solve with bringing in the imaginary shark. That he had to put Sandra Bullock in space and make it seem as though she was that they were really floating in space. And it is beautiful to watch that movie. It's incredibly beautiful. It's dazzling. I'm, I'm Michael- looking at my app and um, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. Okay, it was nominated for eleven. And it swept all 11. And that was pretty much also a special effects film. I'm just wondering, um, could Gravity sweep? It's probably going to sweep in all the technical awards. And since there's no screenplay, it could take direction and picture and maybe win all 10. No, doubt it. Look, at Return of the King was, was coming off of two other movies. Like, I think, if, if anything, sadly, my, my dreams have been dashed now that Steve McQueen didn't win the DGA, but it seemed like 12 Years a Slave was the movie that they were going to throw all their might behind, the way that they did Slumdog Millionaire and Return of the King, because they were like, okay, well, Slumdog Millionaire, we love this movie, so we're giving it all of the awards. Return of the King, I don't think they liked that movie very much. I don't think a lot of people liked that movie, but he was so over, he was so due. They had to just hold their nose and vote, and I think that's why it ended up clean-sweeping the awards. It was also, with Return of the King, it was like one of those really elaborate gymnastics uh, routines that you see at the Olympics, and you just wonder if he's going to be able to nail the landing. And when they do, you're just almost, there's a sense of relief that he didn't fall on his ass at the very end of the of the routine. And you're just so, you just want to stand up and applaud for the fact that he just carried it off for three movies in a row like that. And although the Lord of the Ring, I mean, although... Um, um, Return of the King couldn't have existed without special effects. I agree with you there, Michael. It, um, it's 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 not. It also has a really really impeccable, prestigious literary source material, and it has right. a lot of a lot of um, a lot of characters that you really care about. Besides just one person who has just like one problem. But with Lord of the Rings, I've always felt that the one the best picture award is actually the first one, the Fellowship of the Fellowship of the Ring. That's the best of the three. And but I think with it, with with that series, the Academy had to give it to the Return of the King because they got the Fellowship and then they got the Two Towers, which is the least of of the favorites. And with with what that movie had to do. It took so many years to make. It was each series was done at one time. It had to win. That that was a no brainer, you know. And yeah. when I see Gravity, my only problem that I have with Gravity is that the wave of new filmmaking is that they're throwing in these epic pieces with 3D thrown in to give it more depth and more um, excitement for the audience, but. With Gravity, unfortunately, what's going to happen is that that is a film that was designed 
to be seen on a 100-foot screen or 300-foot screen. It's not, it wasn't designed for the small screen. So I know when people who've never seen it see it on the small screen, it's going to lose so much of the impact that a lot of us saw when we saw it on the big screen. That's my only problem I have with gravity is that it's just going to lose all that. It's not exciting on the small screen. Once you see it in, in your living room, it's just not as exciting as when you see it on the big screen. I have to agree with that. And having seen it on the small screen, too, on the screener, I will say, too, that it that it it's not as it's not nearly as immersive. You feel really distanced from it. You really feel like you're just watching a little uh, uh, a little objects floating around and nothingness. In a theater in 3D, it surrounds you. That movie does. Right. And, I mean, gravity is what 2001 did for 1968. And I've seen 2001 in a revival on the big screen. And let me tell you, it is so impacting on the big screen and it does lose a lot of its um, luster on the small screen. That's 2001. And the same thing is going to happen with gravity. It's going to, it loses so much. Well, the difference between 2001 and gravity, and I know I made, drew the comparison, but I only drew it cinematically. I only drew it in terms of being isolated in space, that kind of feeling. But the two movies couldn't be further apart in so many ways. Uh, 2001 is not a movie that you know what it means. It doesn't. It's not a movie that broadcasts its theme like Gravity does. Gravity's theme by the end is like it's life affirming. She's back on Earth. It's a, it's an incredible ride. Gravity is by the time she gets down. I mean, you can finally breathe when she gets up and walks and. That's an incredible ending, but 2001 is a whole, whole, whole different ball of wax. I mean, 2001 engages you intellectually and philosophically, whereas Gravity is like going to Six Flags. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the problem with Gravity is it totally has that King's Speech Argo thing about it. Like, nobody wants to hear you slag on it. It's like everybody kind of feels sorry for it for some weird reason, even though it's made $300 million. It's like, oh, cute Gravity. And uh, everybody loves Sandra Bullock because she's so vulnerable. It's it's just like you can't you can hate on American Hustle, but you can't hate on Gravity. You just can't. I know. Well, some people just really love it so much. Had such a good time, and they enjoy bringing their friends who they brought to see it for the first time. And so they feel like that's sort of like a proprietary thing going on, where they're they it's their baby, and they want to share it with people who they who they who they love and they like their friends and everything. But also, I think for me, I was the same way with Gravity. I, I think I saw it three times in. A span of maybe two or three weeks it's like it's like it's exactly like you say craig it's a ride at six flags that you want to just get right back in line again and and go go on go on the same ride another time but for me every successive time that i saw it i started to see more and more that i disliked about it those the dialogue every turn and and dip coming and it starts to not be Mm -hmm. quite as thrilling as it was the first time and the things that didn't bother me at all the first time it didn't bother me at all the first time that the dialogue was shallow and and mean and really kind of pointless but that really gets on my nerves after the second or third time to hear george clooney floating around being cocky about (laughs) what's so interesting about um with gravity is that it didn't get a screenplay not but i have to go back to 2000 for 2001 because it had very little dialogue but it got nominated for screenplay because it's so deep its story is so deep look where that movie goes look what it says people still say to do you think there's anything in gravity that people are going to talk about like they talk about how no i'm sorry about that Dave. people are going to say with gravity it was a great movie it's a roller coaster movie it's special effect that's everything that's all people will talk about with gravity is how good it is 
the special effects. That's what they're going to talk about. They're not going to talk about Shannon Bullock, her performance, or um, well, anything other than that. It's just it's pretty much her performance and the special effects. That's it's, it, but, and but, that's what people are going to talk about. It's just a roller coaster that, ride of a film. Ragging on the movie, all of that aside, let's just also say that. It is not a bad choice for Best Picture. I mean, considering the kind of crap that they've been awarding, to do this would be okay. This is these are the barriers that they would be breaking when if they if I'm not saying these are good or bad. I'm just saying what they are. Okay, no mm-hmm. 3D movie has ever won. No movie set in space has ever won. Um, no movie that that is like a, a giant blockbuster um, like that that doesn't have some other gravitas like Lord of the Rings has ever won. Um, What's the other big one I'm thinking of? That, that it, uh, Mexican director? No, that you know uh, I'm not going to well, go there with that because okay. I mean yeah. you can. That's like saying Michelle Hazanovicius was like a big time French that that was a big deal that a French director won during the artist. It's sort of on that level. Like to me, it's not the same. If he was making a movie about the Mexican experience and he was a Mexican director, that I think would be a little more um, history making and profound. This is this is sort of like saying oh it's the first French director to win. So, I agree with you there, but I will also play devil's advocate only in, only because I know there are going to be listeners who are thinking the same thing. You could also say the same thing about Catherine Bigelow that she didn't make a movie about women, right? And you can, but it, in that instance, being a woman in Hollywood is, is in my opinion, very different from being Alfonso Cuarón um, and his Mexican New Wave of um, Inuritu and Guillermo del Toro. They've got fucking opportunities galore. Mm-hmm. Not only do they You're have right. the golden key to the crapper, they're A-listers and they get nominated constantly for Oscars. Women and um, African Americans and black directors simply do not have those same advantages. So, if Good was, answer. See, I'm glad I asked the question because I, I don't really buy that that argument, yeah, but I wanted to bring it up anyway. If you're talking about um, a Mexican American filmmaker, yes, yeah. then you're talking about you're talking about prejudice. You're talking about no opportunities. But but I'm sorry, middle class, you know, very privileged. These these uh, you know Alfonso Cuarón and and Inarritu mm-hmm. and these guys. I mean, yes, they're from Mexico, but come on, they they're like hardcore A-listers in Hollywood. There's no they mm-hmm. didn't experience any barriers. They made movies. People love their movies. They brought them in. You know, look at Ava DuVernay. Look at what happened to her. Like, if she, you know, if she made a movie that that was was a kind of movie that should have been ushered in as like one of those kind of movies where she would the next thing that would happen to her is she'd get a great big contract. I mean, yes, yeah, she's doing that Martin Luther King thing, but you know what I mean. Like, she, she would mm-hmm. be. They, they revere these Mexican directors. They're they're Hollywood royalty right. by this point. You know, also because not only are they men, but also because the Latino community in in, in Hollywood and California and Los Angeles is so powerful. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go the Latino route, I can kind of, I can kind of be down with that, only because you know whites are diminishing, uh, our demographics are diminishing, and Latinos are going to take over in like what two decades or something. So yeah. to that degree, sooner the better, the sooner right? The better. And, and that's fine if they want to say he's the first Latino. I can be down with that, but making a big deal about the fact that he's the first Mexican director, it doesn't fly considering what his career has been, his opportunities have been. I- I can go along with that. I was just throwing that out there. Another thing that about Gravity, though, that is that is probably unique among all Best Picture winners is that not only is it is it female driven, but it's just like one character driven. What other movie ever in in Hollywood history has gone so far with just really one main character? Right, right. I know, I know. And, oh, that's it. That's it. Yes. Now you got it. You got it. Sorry. No movie with one or two cast members has ever won Best Picture ever. So yeah. those three things, 3D, set in space, and only two actors. Those are the three things 
And then people will say, well, look at the artist. It won and, and was a silent black and white movie with French people. And yeah, you're right. On paper, that doesn't look like it would win Best Picture. They like what they fucking like, and they don't care about the rules. I'll just be interested to see what they make of this, because up to now, they've been rejecting big-budget 3D movies uh, in, in, you know, in order to reward the little nuts and bolts filmmakers. Um, like Avatar versus The Hurt Locker, for instance, is a really good example, or Hugo versus The Artist. They don't like the big, lumbering, effects-driven films. They like the smaller camera, director, actor-driven kind of stuff. You More know? traditional, even last year with uh, Life of Pi and Argo, yeah. to a certain extent. Yes, The thing about Gravity, though, is that since it is a one-character piece and since Sandra Bullock basically carries the entire film, I think it has an intimacy that those bigger Avatar-type films don't. It's still very much... It's still, even though it's one person, it's very much actor-driven. If, if she didn't give the performance that she gave, I don't think the movie works at all. Mm-hmm. You're right, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt that as 3D blockbuster extravaganza um, IMAX spectacles go, this is one of the most intimate and most meaningful and most and one that you can attach yourself to emotionally more than any of the others that I've ever seen. Same here. Now, if, gravi- now if Gravity had a... Male lead. Do you think it would get all the attention if it had a male lead? I think instead so. Instead of a female? Yeah. I do. I think so. I don't think people care that much about the female thing except people like me. But um, but I think that, that her vulnerability, um, she's allowed to be that vulnerable. She's a woman. And a guy, uh, it's going to be a little bit harder for him to show his vulnerability. But I think if if it was Brad Pitt, let's say, or Paul Giamatti. You know, <laughs> I don't know. For me, having it, a female at the center of it made it out of the ordinary and more interesting than it would have been if it were, if it were, if George Clooney were the star or some other big superstar. It just would have been another uh, sci-fi thrill ride. But having something about having a female at the center of it, it gave it a wrinkle to it that was was much more appealing. Yeah, and I think it will also help it in, with the Academy because Academy members, the older Academy members, especially older Academy ladies in the Academy, who never would have thought about seeing a science fiction movie at all under any circumstances wanted to see what this was about because it featured a woman yeah. and so they are going to be drawn to the movie in in ways that they've never been drawn to a science fiction movie ever and there's before. nothing intimidating about it at all all you do is feel sorry for her and be happy when she gets down there's nothing mm-hmm. into intellectually intimidating there's no off off-putting thing i mean if you talk about the oscar race as being um you needing a movie that's not divisive to win. And you look at movies in the race right now and you can see some of them, you know, um, uh, Silver Linings Playbook is divisive. Wolf of Wall Street, of course, is divisive. And 12 Years a Slave, unfortunately, despite its lack of negative reviews and the fact that any person can sit in front of that movie and watch it, is divisive because of the harsh imagery. So it's divisive, which means people probably aren't even going to put it in their fucking DVD player and watch it. They're going to. It challenges it. people, and they don't want to be challenged. Yeah, I read all the time comments on people's things. I couldn't even watch Twelve Years a Slave. It's like Blackfish. I couldn't even watch it. You know. At what point I wonder did they realize that they couldn't watch it? What? At what? I mean, once I from when, I would think that once anyone got into the movie and gave it a chance for twenty minutes, that they would not. What reasonable human being would be able to tear themselves away until you find out the outcome of this movie and what the fate of this guy? Because Can it's people so really ugly. be that heartless? It's, 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 it's so ugly for white people 
to have to watch that movie because they don't want to be reminded of the hideousness that we were. They, they just don't. They, they don't want to remember. They don't want to live through it. They feel terrible already, and they don't want to be bummed out. And you can ask Michael. Michael thought before you saw it, right, Michael, that you thought it was going to be really violent. And then when you saw it, you were like, wow, that's not even violent at all. I mean, the, the PR on the movie is that, oh, my God, it's so violent and hard to watch. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I avoided seeing it because I thought, it was going to be a very harsh reality of of slavery, you know, beatings and all that stuff. And then when I saw it, I go, the only scene that is um, severe is is when the black girl gets beat to almost beat to death, you know, and mm-hmm. they show her on a table and her back, and that's the only scene that is gruesome. But other than that, the film is very watchable it's a watchable movie i i don't understand why people don't want to see it you know <laughs> i don't know the whole white black thing you know i haven't heard much about any black groups talking about the film um i i know whites i don't know <laughs> slavery in america is has always been considered you know america doesn't want our to talk about it they don't want to bring it up you know they want the world to think that america is this perfect society that we are not like other countries that we've never have slave we're not like we weren't like south africa or anything like that but you know it's a very important film and i it i'm not angry but i'm just like what what does it what will it take for a black filmmaker to get that recognition in Hollywood. And I'm not talking about actors. I'm talking about a filmmaker, a black producer or director to finally get accepted. And if this film doesn't win, it kind of takes black entertainment back because they, someone achieved something that very few black directors have done. He, he made a film that, that has come across all boards that everybody should see. I mean, it's a monumental experiment that worked. And if he loses director or best picture, it's, 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 it's a sad statement that minorities in general don't have a chance in Hollywood. They don't, they can't tell their stories because Hollywood has their idea of what people want to see. You know, the black experience is not important with Hollywood only if it makes money for Hollywood. But to honor it, it seems like white, the white part of the industry don't want to completely honor the black experience. They and like I think movies, that's really sad. Yeah, they like movies that make white people look good, like Mississippi Burning, like The Help, like Driving Miss Daisy. They don't like movies that make white people look bad. Um, not that that's a racist statement, but you know, when you drill down in, in judging art, when you when you talk about why people like art, why they respond to it, why why do all the thirty something bloggers love her as their favorite movie, for instance? Like, what what is it that we bring? to our experience of movies that determines our taste. And if you just put a bunch of people together, you have critics groups and you have industry voters all basically pulling from the same demographic, which is white male, usually older white male. Well, what, what do, what does this particular demographic identify with? What do they like, you know, and why do they like it? And people always, it's, it's sort of to me like having an all white jury. There was a reason why they stopped having all white, all male juries, especially in the South, because they kept convicting black people, innocent black people. 
that wasn't a jury of their peers. Well, neither is the critics, neither are the, the academy. That's not a jury of the, the artist's peers. That's one specific demographic. And so what we're doing when we predict the Oscars is we're predicting what those people will like. And this reflects their taste. And they're not going to go in for a movie that makes them feel uncomfortable. They're going to pick the movie that makes them feel good. The whole violence argument is a complete cop-out, the violence argument, because it's just an excuse to turn away from something that you don't want to look at. I mean, if you want to talk about violence, let's talk about The Passion of the Christ. That was one of the most violent movies that's been made in the last 20 years, and it made $370 million just in this country. The difference is the violence in that film made the white people, primarily white people watching it, feel good because it ennobled them and their cause. But the violence in 12 Years a Slave, which, if you ask me, wasn't strong enough, makes whites feel bad and that's what they don't like I want to be careful though I mean we do this a lot because I know it's shorthand and it's an easy way to just put a sentence together by saying white people and they are feel uncomfortable but let's remember too that of uh, in spite of the fact that the majority of critics are white it also they also made uh, 12 years a slave the best critically reviewed movie of the year and in spite of the fact that the producers guild is primarily white Fifty uh, percent of those people voted for Twelve Years a Slave enough so that it tied with Gravity. So when we say they and white people, it's not all white people. Obviously, it's just like half of them. Right. Maybe. It's just like you that twenty percent that would determine the win. Maybe. Yes, and, they, and it can be even less than twenty percent. It can be when when you have a movie that that ties with another movie, it can be one percent. One percent of the people who have something against movies with black themes can can be the difference between fifty one percent and fifty percent of the vote. Right. Obviously, I mean, that's the matter. I'm not even really (laughs) complaining about Oscar voters because obviously we don't know how they're going to roll. I'm talking about, and I thought what Sasha was talking about, is the the low-lying buzz that's happening in the critical community that seems to be predominantly coming from a select group of predominantly white people. I mean, obviously, Armand White, who is not white, didn't like the movie, but he's like the only dissenting voice of color. I'm, I'm just tired of of movies like this coming along and having them be sort of shot down by these, these, uh, by this, by this, this, I'm not even sure what I'm trying to say. By the, by the um, pervasive attitude about what is a, what, if they, if they, they like, a, they like, they liked 12 Years a Slave until the first good thing came along where they could like better. You know, that's what happened until, until, um, until Gravity and American Hustle came along, um, 12 Years a Slave was the movie that everyone thought and everyone was saying was going to take Best Picture. But as soon as a lot of white people had an, a viable option, and that option was then certified and verified by the New York film critics, then people thought, oh, well, okay, if the New York film critics say that American Hustle is better than, than 12 Years a Slave, then I don't have to worry about you know, doing the right thing. Because they're, now I have an option. Now I have a now, and I'm not saying all the all all the voters, but enough of them could now say they have they have a an, a, a respectable option that they can turn to. Right. I've just given up now. I was so hopeful. I, I my hopes, I, and it's not even like I think that Gravity's a bad choice or that he doesn't deserve it. A Quaron, he does. I just was. I guess I just was sort of hoping for. You know, a, a little tiny miracle that something really, really great was going to happen the night of the DGAs, that, that the mm-hmm. whole industry was going to go, you know what? Yeah, Marty Scorsese d- directed a fucking the best movie of the year with Wolf of Wall Street. 
Gravity is an incredible movie. It's made $250 million, and it has wowed people all over the world, and it's going to win a shitload of Oscars, and all those people involved are going to go on to do great things from here. But you know what? Fuck it. It's time to fucking make history. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. It's time. yeah, it's just like what Michael, what you said, Michael, if not now, then when? You know, you would think, what is it going to take? If a, if a movie like 12 Years a Slave and a director like Steve McQueen, who absolutely did something astonishing and magnificent, if this if this movie can't win, then, then what is it going to take for? Well, for, you'd have to be blogging as long as I have to really get that impact of that. I mean, you know, for me, it was I've been doing this long enough that I remember when I when people like me had to fight to defend the choice of Halle Berry winning for Monsters Ball because people didn't think she deserved it. And you know what my argument was? Yeah, okay, did Gwyneth Paltrow particularly deserve it in... Um, I happen to think she was great in Shakespeare in Love, but did Jennifer Lawrence deserve it in... I mean, these are women that people just fall in love with that give great performances, but really? I mean, is that really a great performance or is that just, wow, I was so charmed by this wonderful woman at this moment in time? You exactly. Know? And by the so, same token, people were just so charmed by the artist and so charmed by Argo. Exactly. But it, so nobody asked those questions about whether those exactly. movies are deserving they, or not. not deserving. So it, given all things being equal, and if you're, if you're really not picking something that has a, uh, a definite criteria for what makes something great, and it is just kind of this unexplainable thing that has to do with liking something, why can't that arbitrary thing bounce over to, well, it's time to finally kick down some fucking doors. Well, Halle Berry, the only black woman to win in 86 years of Oscar history and lead to this day. And when I did that 10 years ago, I was fighting for Halle Berry. And when Halle Berry and Denzel Washington won that night, that was only because people were fucking bitching about it, right? Yeah. They were bitching about Denzel Washington not having won. They were bitching about a, a woman. So the, the Academy just said, okay, fine, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Here you go, black people. Here's your Oscars. Great, 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 great. And then go away, right? So no more lead black actresses. Viola Davis had a shot. She didn't win. Um, they're not just going to hand out awards for people who don't deserve it. 12 Years a Slave is the first film I've seen pass the critics' test. Listen, Precious barely passed. Mm-hmm. Because in order to pass the critics test, you have to make a movie white people like, not just white people, white men. So Catherine Bigelow had to make a movie that white men liked because it was about white men. It was a universal story. And if you're going to tell a universal story, it has to be universal. It means it has to include that demographic of white men. Well, once you do that, you take away the ability to really focus on one specific issue that might, might um, alienate that demographic that because if it's a movie about slavery that the bad guys are the white people so you know how are you ever going to break through so in order to pass we talk about this all the time but in order for a film by a black director to pass the test it has to be pc enough for the black community oh it doesn't insult black people oh it's not about white people because he's not a self-hating black man it has to be about black people but is it about the right kind of black people are they depicted as slaves are they depicted no they have to be respectable upstanding uh citizens and is there a white savior people are always complaining about the white savior you You know which is ridiculous and the box office and then once you pass all that then you get to the oscar race well 12 years of slave has fucking run that gauntlet and it's almost there and now for them just to say you know what I like this other one better. It bothers me so much. I can't even tell you. Not that the gravity doesn't deserve uh, an award. So does Wolf of Wall Street. That fucking movie deserves every Oscar. But it's not going to win them. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, my speech is over. Sorry. Well, no, no, don't be sorry. I mean, as you say, without people talking about these kinds of things and people would, it would be so easy for people just not to think about it in the same way that they don't like to th- they don't like movies that they have to think about too much. People really would just want to have a nice, quick, tidy answer to, to questions and then the problem is solved. And but I, I do I hate that I end up feeling like that I'm apologizing for white people and stuff. But I do want to do the same thing for the academy. When we say things like the academy just decides that they they're not ready for the black movie, I want to argue the the and the PGA is a really good um, proof of this is that uh, emotions and allegiances um, alliances might were really split this year. And to say that the Academy just doesn't like want the black movie is just like saying, well, America must really like Obama because they elected him for two terms in a row. So America just must be in love with Obama. But we know that's not true. We know that more than half of America absolutely despises Obama. And so we don't, we just, I just want to be careful when, not to brand the entire Academy as people who are not going to vote for 12 years a slave. Right. Because I believe that probably at least 45% of them for sure are. Right, right. Well, I've been telling Sasha that looking at this race, you know, um, I mean, I liked all the movies except for one, you know. And um, I, I, I still believe that they are going to split this year. I, I, don't, I don't think Gravity is going to go all the way up and win Best Picture. I just, for some reason, my... My instincts are telling me, no, it's not going to win Best Picture. I think they are going to do what they consider noble is giving Best Picture to the most awarded film of the year and then giving Best Director to the most but exciting film of the they year. They can't do that with the, with the preferential ballot. They can't because it's designed in such a way that you can't put your might behind uh, one thing like that. You just can't. You can't do Crash, for instance, when Crash won – um, that was under the weighted ballot. That meant that people could do that. They could say, I really liked Crash, but I think Ang Lee maybe deserves to win Best Director for his um, artistically brave thing. And th- that, that's how it usually goes. The picture that wins Best Picture is the film everybody likes, and the picture that wins Best Director is the one people feel respect for. I just have to wait and see because I really do think, I'm just going to say it, if I had a ballot myself, I would feel no qualms about voting for Alfonso Cuaron as Best Director and 12 Years a Slave as Best Picture. I could do that myself with my own ballot. So I have to believe there are, it I'm matter, not the only though, person Ryan. who can do that. It doesn't matter because what matters more is who's going to put number two and number three. You know what I mean? Like, even if they put 12 Years a Slave at number one, it's only going to account for a certain number once they count. Then, then, then you're going to go to the two and three votes. So you're looking for a movie that's going to hit, and that's how you get broad support of a movie people like. If they're trying to push for 12 Years a Slave and they all put 12 Years a Slave as it's at their number one, that's not going to help 12 Years a Slave win unless it wins in the first round, which it might do. If it wins in the first round, fine, great. Then you can put all your weight behind. But if it doesn't, then you're looking at the two and three movies catching up and maybe beating it. And that, you know what? Um, I don't I'm know sorry, what movie I'm that sorry. is. I just don't know what movie th- those are. I don't know what the likable movies are that could get up. Well, there's a, there's American Hustle and there's a, um, Gravity, and I think also the Wolf of Wall Street has a has a faction, a strong contingent of people who like it. Obviously, or it wouldn't be nominated for yeah. as many in as many categories as it for is. That aren't I think extremes, I think the reputation you know? of Wolf of Wall Street is recovering a little bit from the first. Um, 
bad blows that it took when it first came out. I think the people are beginning to look at look at it now and, and not finding all the problems with it that a lot of people were complaining about it. But it's going to take Christmas Day. it's going to take votes away from one of the frontrunners, and I think it's weakening American Hustle. It's my opinion is that it's going to mm-hmm. weaken American Hustle. Yeah. Well, uh, American Hustle kind of fell into that. Um, um, it's like um, that period where everyone went gaga over it, and then all of a sudden. It's kind of waning now, and and the favor has jumped back to gravity in Twelve Years a Slave. But I but I just want to say that 2002 was um, a year where Chicago was the front runner, and it was sweeping all the awards, and it won the DGA for Rob Marshall. But when it came to the Oscars, they gave the Oscar to Roman Polanski for. The, for the pianist. And that was, yes, then that is possible for this year. That is a good scenario for how Chicago still would have won a preferential ballot. And you have a surge in the director and screenplay. Those are all weighted ballots. So, yes, people who loved the pianist could have pushed that movie to the top. But it's just harder to do with a preferential ballot than it is with weighted. That's all I'm saying. So, mm-hmm. well, And it I'm seems like it would more likely go that Gravity would have been Best Picture and yes. uh, uh, McQueen would win Best Director rather right. than the other way around. Yeah, it doesn't happen the other way in, in Oscar history. I can't think of a single time when... Best Picture went to the respected one, and Best Director went to the one people liked. It does not work that way. Reds won Best Director for Warren Beatty. Chariots of Fire won Best Picture. Saving Private Ryan won Best Director. Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture. And you go on and on that way, and you'll find the likable movie gets the picture award. The big blockbuster like Gladiator gets the Best Picture Award and the very well-respected but not very well-liked movie gets Director. And that would be 12 Years a Slave and... Gravity would be that picture. So it's locked up. Corwin's going to win director. Gravity's going to win best picture. That is the end of the story. 12 Years a Slave will probably win best supporting actress, and that's it, and it'll walk away. Well, it might walk. Also, Sasha, it's screenplay. Maybe screenplay, yeah. It has a good chance of screenplay, too. Right, for sure. 12 Years a Slave. But if he couldn't win director, I don't see that movie winning picture. Sorry. No matter what the pundits say, they're just factually wrong. There's no evidence to back it up at all. Nothing in Oscar history would back up that. That's so a really good argument. The argument fact, that you made about I'll, the fact that they're mo- that they're that the that the more artistic, the more artistic and serious directors yep. can sometimes win Best Director, and then the more popular, populist, more entertaining movie Absolutely. wins Best Picture. But that, that split can, is already evident. To. It's already evident usually by the time the DGA comes out because Ang Lee won the DGA. Warren Beatty won the DGA. You know, that's how it goes. It show, it reflects itself. Although Roman Polanski, let's we forget, he did win the Oscar. And, and so Roman Polanski is your model for Steve McQueen winning. Steve McQueen picking up steam in the end. And I think the BAFTAs will tell us whether if Steve McQueen wins the director at the BAFTAs and, and 12 Years a Slave wins picture at the BAFTAs, I think you see a big upset at the Oscars. That's the only thing I think. But I, that movie has British voter written all over it. So it's a bummer, but like if you go back to the if you go back to the time when they used a preferential ballot, which was in the 30s, and they had split votes, then in every instance, the movie with the most nominations won Best Picture, and the movie that won Best Director had less nominations and was more respected, like The Informer, John Ford, or Grapes of Wrath. Uh, Grapes of Wrath won Director, while Rebecca won Picture, that kind of thing. You never see it the opposite way, ever. <clears throat> it just doesn't happen. Um, the the well-respected director gets the director award, and the big picture gets so so. Gravity has it all going for it right now. Yeah, that is a bummer. But you know me, I refuse to be 
bummed out for the next five weeks. So I am still going to hold on to the hope, as, as unrealistic as it may be, that, that 12 Years a Slave can still win Best Picture. Because I just think that we've seen too many exceptions to the rule happen in the past three or four years, things that have never happened before. And so I just, I don't, I don't rely so but, much but on what that. happened in, in the 1940s or 1950s. Not in that way, to, Ryan. It's never yeah. tipped in our favor in the last few years. It's, it's always been like, yeah. oh, Ben Affleck didn't get a director, and I'm, oh, okay, one. The artist is a silent movie. Oh, okay, it won. You know, that's not that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about them overcoming a great prejudice and a great stigma of a a movie they don't really like, b a movie most I people just don't aren't think even going to watch. I'm not, I'm not willing to say that they don't really like it if the if the producers guild can have it tied with gravity. There's there's 50% of the people and 50% of the people who like both of those movies I know, equally. But the best chance look at Brokeback Mountain that won the producers guild and the director's guild and it didn't win best picture yeah okay so yeah i know that i agree that it's unlikely i think that it's a it's going to be a really but i do also think that if we ever believe that we have any sort of role to advocate at all that we can't stop talking about 12 years of slave winning five weeks out if we think that there's a chance for 12 years of slave it's not looking good he needed to win the dga mm-hmm. you know everybody you just there's a point in the Oscar race where you just feel it, and you know that. I mean, I thought it was going to be American Hustle. I was surprised, and we are looking at a situation where the guilds have split three ways with three different very, very strong movies. But DGA calls Best Picture most of the time. So, and if if it you know <clears throat> the movie that could win isn't Twelve Years a Slave, it could be uh, American Hustle, and it could be. Wolf of Wall Street. It could be movies that people really like, um, but that aren't that well respected. That's that's usually more how it goes. Mm. I'm so relieved. I'm, I'm actually I'm completely I'm totally ready to to stick a fork in American Hustle's chances, and I'm so relieved to be able to say that that I'm less depressed about Gravity, even though it wasn't my first choice. I'm just relieved that it's not my last choice. And oh yeah, pe- people actually, are talking a lot. People are still trying to keep it alive, and they're, and they're using the. The SAG win is an example, and obviously the actors are the largest branch, but I don't think it, it's valid in this case because there was no way that Gravity was going to get an ensemble nod because it doesn't have an ensemble. So it, it was out of the running. And it's clear that as far as the producers are concerned, American Hustle wasn't even, it was at best the third favorite of their movies. So I think when you discount SAG and then you count PGA and DGA, you you pretty much have to go for Gravity, and if not Gravity, then maybe American Hustle. I mean, maybe Twelve Years a Slave. And we also shouldn't say that the actors are still going to all be gravitating toward American Hustle because there's bound to be actors who respect the actors in Twelve Years a Slave, and in some of the other movies there, because those movies have magnificent performances as well. So not all of the actors are going to just run to American Hustle just because it's an actor showcase. Yeah, and it's telling. I think that Jennifer Lawrence didn't win. Mm-hmm. That's sag. Yeah. If, 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 the, if the support of the actors was so un- universal, I think she probably would have won. I thought so too, but that that's the same thing that happened with Argo last year. Everybody thought that Argo was going to pick up something. Um, but, you know, um, it's interesting because the other thing about American Hustle and the Producers Guild is that I really feel like there's pushback against Megan Ellison and the world of producers. I think that they resent her a little bit for being daddy's little money bag, you know? <laughs> Um, I just, even though she's making these great movies, people, you know, critics love her. We all love her and appreciate what she's doing. I do anyway. She made her and um, she's helped, she's helped, she helped get Zero Dark Thirty made. But I, I do feel like the producers 
resent her because they're used to just having to raise money and blah 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 and here she comes just with a blank check you know yeah she's mm-hmm. got she's got less at stake it's not her yeah. her entire livelihood doesn't depend on whether these movies make it or not where for a lot of these producers it does Absolutely. great they, point they, remember more when, tied up into it yeah remember when little miss sunshine won the producers guild and that was only because of the backstory of those producers and how yeah. they had to fight and struggle for 10 years to get that movie off the ground and to get it made right. producers really like that they really like the produ- they really like seeing a, a producer struggle and prevail they don't so much like a producer who doesn't have to struggle to and that prevail. was um brad pitt and, and 12 years a slave which was really really hard to get made and that mm-hmm. was part of its Oscar story. Gravity also has a really good producer story, you know. Yeah. So that is, I think, what drives the producers' guild. The actors, they had to give American Hustle something. They didn't give it any of the individual acting awards. Um, but it, it would make sense that it would win um, Ensemble. The thing I hate the most is how the pundits and the group think are calling everything. Like, they called that American Hustle win. They called the Quaron win. It just bothers me that so many people all think alike and that they are all right. You know, I just wish that for once somebody would, they were the fucking group would be wrong, you know? I'm, that's why me, look at me holding my hand up, waving win. my hand here. I'm just waving my hand saying 12 years a slave, 12 years a slave. I'm not part of the group thing. No, I'm not saying you. I'm saying okay, I run I know. a poll, yeah, I run but a poll and everybody mm-hmm. says Quaron's going to win Best Director. I run a poll and everybody says American Hustle's going to win the SAG Ensemble and they're always fucking right. Mm. But Half yes. of me was hoping that Scorsese would win DGA just so that the internet would melt down. I know, me yeah, too. Well, we're just all, also, you know, the people who do this are just really good at what they do and what we do. We've got, we've, we know the ropes pretty well, and we know we can read the signs and symbols. And that's why that's why the prediction game has sort of taken some of the excitement out of the races for the past five or six know, years because we know be so wrong. far in advance what's going to happen i just want to see them be wrong i wanted them to see yeah, them i do be too wrong so bad on on director's guild night i just wanted that so bad and i'm sort of sick of wanting that i mean it's been years now since Catherine bigelow won in 2009 that was the last good night i had at the dga every other night has been one bummer after another but let's just let's just reiterate and repeat what greg what you said a minute ago if gravity if it does end up that it wins best picture and best director it will be the best best picture winner of the past since when since since 2009 right since the hurt locker it'll be the best for me it'll be the best best picture winner since 2009 i gotta put the artist in there i, I like i think the artist is better than gravity you, sorry you do the artist i know you do better than than gravity only because it has it's more clever and, and I, I thought gravity was really really good i'm not turning on it like people think that i am it's not that it's not even that I don't think it's a good Best Picture winner. It's just that it's an okay Best Picture winner. When I first saw it, I didn't think, oh, my God, that movie has to win Best Picture. I thought, wow, that's a really good movie. It's probably going to get nominated. You know? Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I, you just knew that it was going to be nominated for, for yeah. eight or ten Oscars, but I never expected that we'd be talking about it for Best Picture. But, you know, Craig never. was talking to me about something that is not the movie's fault at all, and it's certainly not hers fault, but... When you have a certain group of people that like really glom onto a movie, you start to hate that movie. And it's not even the movie's fault. It's just because it's so annoying. Like the internet loves gravity. The internet, that's their movie. And so you can't say anything about gravity without getting pounced on by the internet, you know? It's a, it's what Craig calls the nerd herd. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> all these people that were born during the year of Star Wars, you know, that that this is their this is the kind of movie that they go see at the multiplex. This is the kind of movie they think is a really really good film. And it is a good film, but it's but it's a visually driven um 
very kind of shallow ultimately unless you want to read into it the stuff I've been reading into it which is the experience of being a woman and hating aging and not appreciating your life and all that like lifetime channel gobbledygook that I read into it personally but that the movie is not required to say it's- right and I read the same thing into gravity that I that, uh, you, that I know that you read into uh, all is lost that it's not just about one man and one or one woman lost in space or lost at sea but it's about all of us lost on our life's journey and about how at the end of our at the end of that journey all of our options start failing us and 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 we struggle and we fight and try to to to, to hold on by our fingertips and sometimes we can hold on a little bit longer, and, and but most of the time we can't. And then George and, Clooney comes floating in, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> so then, in that way, I feel like that all is lost. Um, approached that subject much more re- realistically Absolutely. than than Gravity did. Well, all is and, lost operated purely on metaphor. Gravity mm-hmm. works as as a visual effects movie with emotion attached, like. It is that it's a visual effects ride before it is anything else, and and the yeah. emotion adds to it and enhances the experience. It gives you something to walk out of and feel. It's like some movies you feel you feel gravity, mm-hmm. you know, you feel. And the other thing about the difference, the main difference too, another primary um, um, major difference between Always Lost and Gravity is at the end of Gravity, you see her walk out onto dry land and stand up straight and walk off and and into the sunset. But at the end of Always Lost. You're left with a little bit of ambiguity. I know that you, most people will make up their mind one way or the other pretty quickly about what they think happened at the end of All Is Lost, but it doesn't spell it out for you. Right, and look what happened in that movie. Totally right, you exactly. couldn't get lunch yeah. paid for in this town. Yeah, because people don't like not knowing what happens to everybody at the end of a movie. No, they're simpletons. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're dealing with a group, a consensus of simpletons. I'm sorry to have to say it. Maybe it sounds snobby, but movies aren't made for critics. They're not made for people like us. They're made for... But in a way, that may have the same thing may have hurt Twelve Years a Slave a little bit. Although we all know that Solomon Northup was the main character, and the story is all about him. The people that a lot of people, the character that people can connect with even more so than than Solomon is Patsy. And you don't know what happened to Patsy after after he leaves her there. My friend on Facebook, he's a white dude Mm -hmm. who loved Wolf of Wall Street, and you know, is your typical demographic of the kind of people who vote on awards. and he's like, you know, he's like, I wish 12 Years a Slave had been a better movie because oh. I only really liked the white characters. He's like, they oh were given God. room to grow. They were given room to act. And the black characters just seem so uniform. And I had to confront him on that. I'm like, really? You know, what I found after seeing that movie three times is that the black characters are very complex. But that it's harder if you're white to see that. You see them in one way. But you got to look deeper. You can't just yeah. It's um, it's important to realize that Solomon Northrup is essentially two different characters. He's the human being and the man that he is at the beginning and the end of the film. But then there's the whole middle stretch where he's basically forced into playing this part, which is a subservient non-human, and it's not his fault. But that's that's the lot in life that that he's forced into, and that's where the power comes from. And, and they spell that out specifically. He, he he has a conversations with people who tell him you have to not. Stay out. You have to not be educated. You have to not be complex, or they're going to see you as a threat. And right. anybody, any white guy on Facebook who doesn't get that, I would be like unfriend and block him. And then, yeah, and then yeah. Um, there's that great scene, which is totally historical, which I wish people were aware of and could pay attention to, but the scene where um, 
Solomon Northup confronts and fights his 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 master. Um, what's his name? Yeah. Paul Dano. You, I mean, have we ever seen that in a movie where? Really, where a, you know a slave character does what people always say that why don't why didn't they fight back? Well, he fights back, and look where it gets him. You mm-hmm. know, he's almost lynched. Deeper in I shit. Mean, the only time I remember seeing a slave fight back was Roots, yeah. the Kuta Kinte character. He was the only character that fought and resisted being a slave, and it got him got his foot chopped off. But he. He um, that was great. He yeah. fought the system and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but when, but I have read a lot of people not on your website, but I have read other people on other discussions um, talk about Twelve Years a Slave, and I keep seeing the repeated. If they were slaves, why didn't they escape? <laughs> I go, it wasn't that easy to escape. It was a whole. Um, Culture you, you of slavery in black. the South. Yeah. They just couldn't walk away. I mean, some did run away, but it took um, time and effort for them to escape slavery. But you just can't escape it. It was difficult for a lot of people. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of the people who were saying, making these statements were probably white. Well, the thing is, is people don't know. There are so many wonderful, rich African-American stories that are in the history that just do not get told. Solomon Northup is a story that did not get told. There are other stories, many, many, many other stories of different, you know, slaves from freed slaves to slaves that escaped to slaves who were um, Thomas Jefferson's kids. I mean, all these stories, they don't get told because Hollywood doesn't want to deal with it. They don't want to tell Well, they get told on television. You know, that's where they get told the most is on television. There have been a lot of stories about certain um, black Stories that have been told on television. I've seen quite a few of them, and and actually they're 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 presented very well made films, but they are also directed and produced by white directors and white producers. Television is unique in in the sense that people that that you can find your niche on television, Mm -hmm. and people who who are looking for that niche can find it by switching channels around, and then the people who are not interested in that can just switch the channel and not watch it. But that's why television is able to, I think, approach and deal with subjects like that maybe a little bit better than movies have over the years. But another thing about why didn't the slaves escape, the ultra-progressives will tell you that one of the primary reasons for the Second Amendment and putting arms and guns in the, in the hands of white people was not because yeah. they were afraid of another British invasion. It's so that white people could be armed and that the, the Second Amendment was par- partially enacted so that white people could have guns in their hands so that their property couldn't run off or they would shoot their property mm-hmm. and black people weren't armed and you can't just uh, storm into a house and, and, and burn the plantation down and take all the guns unless you're Django, which didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's the thing is that, and there were slave hunters. It's like one of the stories yeah. that is never told. Well, the two stories I think that have really been blotted out, it's certainly not found in Gone with the Wind, is the sex trade that the sla- that slavery was illustrated horrifyingly in 12 Years a Slave and, um, and uh, slave hunters. Slave hunters would, you know, I, I always think of that, that woman who, who went to New York with her father who... Um, was a, her slave master who slept with her mother and had her and then took her to New York on a trip, probably was fucking her. And she escaped. She ran away to try to be free. And, and he had fucking slave hunters drag his own daughter back to be a slave. Mm. That's a story that would be incredible to wow. tell. 
The book 12 Years a Slave went into a little bit more detail about slave hunters, and it also made perfectly clear that, for example, if a slave was found just out wandering around anywhere in the South, if they didn't have proof that they had permission to be doing that, they could be hauled in and and either killed or, or returned to their owners. It wasn't like a simple thing where you could just say, fuck this and hop on a bus and head to New York and you were fine. That just... Yeah, doesn't that sound travel familiar? Travel from Georgia to New York City on foot in 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 the in the antebellum South was just not possible. And what about how now we have um, we have um, 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 what's his name from in Florida? I mean, that's not that far from what you guys are talking about. A, a black teenager walking around. Yeah. Um, and what's his name? Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. And George mm-hmm. George Zimmerman. Pulls out a fucking gun and shoots him. I mean, it's or or sees him as suspect. He's a black guy walking around. He sees him as a suspect automatically. Mm-hmm. That's not that different from what you're talking about. Black right. is the color of their skin, therefore, they must be up to no good or slaves. And, the- and Oscar Grant, the same situation with Oscar Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were um, he's he was the person that the cops felt threatened by in the situation on on the bar train. Right. Oh, fruit vegetables. Not bar, yeah. but. Yeah. Those films, all three of them, The Butler, which, fine, the internet hated it, whatever, Fruitvale Station, and 12 Years a Slave, as I've been saying over and over again, nobody listens to me, nobody cares, none of my <laughs> colleagues write about it. They, they're telling the story of our past, but they're telling the story of our present, too. It, mm. This is happening now in our country, continues to happen. And um, these movies bring it up and, and make us think about it, and that they're beautifully brave you know incredible films and it's the academy's shame that they're not paying attention you know when if a holocaust denier were to say yeah well why didn't the jews why did they put up with it why didn't they rebel and just escape they would be lynched for saying that and rightfully so because it's ridiculous but you can say that about somehow some for some reason you can say that about slavery i don't understand why why that's that's even acceptable you know what the movies we have i'm sorry Uh, no no you can say the movies you can say i mean do you think anybody would have said schindler's list oh my god that's about the holocaust you know, it's too brutal. The movie's too brutal. It's about the Holocaust. Well, you know, you can say you can say that about the Holocaust. It, it can be too brutal because it's allowed to be. But a movie about slavery can't be too brutal because they don't see it as that dramatic. You know what I mean? They don't see it as that serious. Well, you know, you have a lot of people, especially Southerners, who their ancestry went through the whole slavery thing. Um, there are there are there are people today down south who say that slavery was not as bad as it has been talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, that black people were treated very well, that they weren't treated, they weren't mistreated as that, as they are depicted in certain films or like in books. You have that culture of Southerners who believe that, that everything was okay, that they, that they were happy. And life and was and that, and that that lie has been perpetuated by movies like um, Gone with the Wind. Right, but it is. But there is a subculture of of people, and I have to say, Southerners, because Southerners were more affected with slavery than the rest of the rest of the country. It happened in Southern states, but there is that subculture of Southerners, white Southerners, who say slavery was good, that they weren't mistreated, that everything was okay. There is that subculture who believe that. Yeah, I know. I mean, and, and, you know, a friend of mine was saying to me that um, art 
shouldn't be about politics and art shouldn't be about civil rights and art shouldn't be about political correctness. You know what? And to a degree, I believe that's true. But I think when you're looking at a situation where you have 86 years of Oscar history and you have one kind of person and one kind of film honored every single year of that and you are living in a time when you have a black president in his second term, when the Grammys are, you know, have no problem awarding black artists where where, um, African-American artists and producers and singers and songwriters are are able to totally thrive. Um, It's embarrassing by this point to be here in 2014 to even be talking about this. It's embarrassing. Sorry, but it is. It's embarrassing that the Academy is not going to award this film and, and make history and change their the face of what they are. They might change it, but they're going to change it by embracing 3D technology and mm-hmm. visual effects and the modern world and blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, it's the same fucking shit. And I just have to say, I just want to say one more time that as, as appalled as we will be if 12 Years a Slave does not win Best Picture, I really sincerely believe that there will be 40 or 45 percent or more members of the Academy who are equally appalled. I think so, too. Oh, listen, you guys, I was also telling my same friend this thing, is that you think it's bad when Brokeback Mountain didn't win. That was huge, and I lived through that. You wait and see what happens when 12 Years a Slave doesn't win. You just wait. Mm. People, all the people that aren't talking about it now, even the stupid pundits who aren't talking about it at all, who don't think it matters, all of them will be writing essays. You know, and in a way, if that happens, then that then that may be the only thing that would make it easy to swallow and make and be consolation. Because look at the reputation of Brokeback Mountain over the years, and how the t- discussion about it has made Brokeback Mountain rise in esteem over the years, and how Crash has become almost reviled. And yeah. I'm not saying that Gravity is ever going to be reviled because it's just too much of a great movie on its own to have this that same fate. But I do think that. Um, the, tw- the reputation of 12 Years a Slave can only be enhanced by not winning the Oscar. I agree with yeah. you. The Oscar is a stink. Mm. It's an embarrassing yeah. stink. Mm. And, and, you know, it's their fault mm. that they can't move forward. Well, usually the most remembered films didn't win Oscars. I <laughs> mean, the most remembered right. films. So, I mean, it's going to take it on top. But, you know, the thing is that if 12 Years a Slave does not win and then it gets this backlash with people writing essays about what about it and then the the problem the problem that i see is that then a movie's going to be made by a black director, black producer and it's going to go to a point where they're going to just give it the oscar just they to won't. shut people up no. and it may not even be a good a good movie, you know what i mean? It, that may come, that might happen. Well, what'll happen is a black director will have to make a white story like Catherine Bigelow did with her Hurt Locker, which was, you know, a, a guy's mm-hmm. story. If a black if Steve McQueen comes back with a movie like, you know, Hunger or Shame, but that's more mainstream and, you know, maybe about the Holocaust and maybe it takes place in the 1940s or 70s and everybody's wearing costumes and Amy Adams has her tits hanging out every five seconds, maybe it'll win Best Picture. Maybe. You know, a black director making a movie about the Holocaust, you'll be, I'm pretty sure you have a lot of people go, what does he know about the Holocaust? But there's been countless of white directors writing films, making films about slavery. Well, what they don't, yes, exactly. What they don't want <laughs> to happen, What and this is what has been plaguing Catherine Bigelow's win, and I know because I've had to deal with people all the time. I think that Hurt Locker absolutely deserved it. I do think it helped that she was making history and she was a first-time woman. Um, 
I, I think that you can't deny that, but people look at it and they go, oh, he's only going to win because he's black. And that thought, that disgusting, polluted thought diminishes 12 years of slave in the minds of people who vote like the New York fucking film critics and the National Society of Film Critics. It wasn't cool enough because suddenly it was going to look like they were only voting for him because he was black, mm. right? So it is, a, it is a fine line to walk, but I think you have to just suck it up and deal and do the right thing, as Spike Lee would say. Do the fucking right thing. So Another thing, yeah, hard, speaking about uh, about Spike Lee and and and, and wondering if a, if it, what it will take for a black filmmaker maker to be respected is to make movies about white people. Spike Lee kind of glommed onto that a little bit. Two of his most well received movies of the past decade were Twenty um, Fifth Hour and Inside Man. Inside yeah. Man, I think, was one of the American Film Institute's top ten movies of. Whenever the year that very, was, 2005, 2006, was, yeah. and those were both excellent movies with hardly any black characters in them at all. Right. You know? yep. and, and that's well, there are there are a lot of black directors making films with white actors because they they probably figured it out that we're not going to get the respect if we have all black cast. There's, there's only one director who is directing all black cast, and that's the guy who does the um, um, Tyler Perry. Yeah, he's like one of the only ones who makes films about right, even black Lee Daniels characters. made the paper boy, you know. I think you have to be able to to stretch as an artist, you don't. And but I think that when Steven Spielberg made Schindler's List, he's a Jew, a self-hating Hollywood Jew who made a story <laughs> about the Holocaust, right? If Steve McQueen was an African American making this movie, it would have a lot more resonance. The fact that he's this British guy that made shame that all the stupid Academy voters hated. They think he's kind of snooty. It doesn't have the same resonance because he's not African-American. He's just black. You know, if he hadn't made 12 years a slave, if Steve McQueen was entering the Oscar race, like Alfonso Cuaron is entering the Oscar race by making a totally mainstream movie, you could still say, yes, he's winning. Yes. His win would still be an historic win for a black man, but it doesn't to me have the same resonance as a black man making a film that is, um, written by a black writer that is dominated by black actors and directed by a black director. To me, that's huge. That's mm-hmm. not just, oh, we're plugging in this Mexican director to this British and American production that's making shitloads of money. This is a, a whole thing. This is a, a, there's only been one, uh, two, two, I believe, black writers screenwriters maybe three if you count that one woman uh who's a co-screenwriter in all of oscar history right so this is the Mm -hmm. second year and the joffrey fletcher won for precious he was the first you know black writer to win um in the screenplay category and so you're going to have john ridley who was hated apparently by the wga for crossing the picket line i think during the writer's strike so that hurts his chances of winning um and then you have uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who's probably going to win Supporting Actress and will be 12 Years of Slave's only win. So the big picture is going to be, it's embarrassing for the Academy, it's embarrassing for the industry, it's a shame that it will not wash off for a decade, and I will make sure of that. On the, <laughs> on the well, side, there was a black, there was a black screenwriter that was nominated back in the 70s. Yeah, the woman. She no. She's a co-writer. Oh. Um, she's a co-writer with someone else, I think. Um, no, it's a man. A, a lone screenwriter? Yeah, a lone screenwriter. It was, was Lon it? Elder III for Sounder. He got oh, nominated. Nice. Okay. So Joffrey oh, wow. Fletcher okay. was the one who won, was the first black uh, writer. And that was 1973. Okay, so that's, yeah, <laughs> kind of long ago. Um, so you can't tell me that, you know, black 
people just aren't interested in making movies. They're plenty interested. And you think that the black actors during the 30s didn't want to act in movies? Of course they did. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to all, when all is said and done, 12 Years a Slave is going to win supporting actors. Gravity is going to win all the big awards. It's going to be embarrassing for the Academy. Um, but Steve McQueen's probably going to be really, really happy. And Brad Pitt's going to be happy. And they're all going to be happy that they were even nominated and that they got to go to the big show. And honestly, you know, the people who don't vote for 12 Years a Slave are not going to be embarrassed. If they were embarrassed, if they felt bad about it, they would do something different. So they're actually, so half the Academy who are not going to support 12 Years a Slave are not even going to be embarrassed by it. It's going to be the other people in the Academy who realize that 12 Years a Slave probably just barely missed by maybe 5 or 6% of the vote. And they're going to, they're going to be just uh, as angry as we are. I tell you who should be embarrassed, the New York film critics for picking American Hustle over 12 Years a Slave. That shame should follow them for, I hope, 10 years because it's so embarrassing that they did that. I'm all with you. I'm absolutely all... I'm on board with that. I've always felt like that just because they are New York critics doesn't make them any smarter or better than the Denver critics, and they... And I think it was a really um, lazy and damaging choice that the New York film critics made. I totally agree. I, I, I'm never surprised when the Oscar sort of slums towards the lowest common denominator. I expect that from the Oscars because it's a popularity contest. But to me, a critic is supposed to hold up the bar and expect more and to fall for a hot mess like American Hustle as being the best of the year in a year when there were a solid half dozen brilliant pictures is just it's it's kind of sick making to me. Mm-hmm. It's sick-making to me, too, because if you're not going to pick 12 Years a Slave, if you're not going to pick Wolf of Wall Street, if you're not going to pick Inside Lewin Davis, pick Blue is the Warmest Color. You know, that's a good movie. Something interesting and and really absolutely groundbreaking and outside the box instead of something that is almost just like just predictable and bland and boring. And they, they just wanted to be the first because American Hustle hadn't been seen and they wanted to be special and they wanted to influence the Oscar race by picking a movie that they weren't going to pick Blue is the Warmest Color because Blue is the Warmest Color is not going to win Best Picture. You know? And I think some of them have probably only just probably seen American Hustle maybe four or five days before they voted. So when American Hustle is fresh in your mind, it hasn't started to go sour yet. You're just really brave for watching it three times. I will probably watch it again from beginning to end someday, but I'm I'm not in any hurry to do it, but what I have done is go back to see if what I remembered about the ending was true. And I mean, you can go and take a stopwatch and time it. In the last 12 or 15 minutes of the movie, Amy Adams has about, she speaks about five words. And even in scenes that she's in the same room, she sits there and just looks at people. She yeah, doesn't her, even have any lines. With her cleavage. So she absolutely just disappears and evaporates in the last 10 or 12 minutes of that movie. Yeah. And everyone else takes over and still has things that happen to them. And it's such a shame because she has some really great scenes. And she's she's such a – she's all dressed up with nowhere to go. Like they so betrayed her acting. She was giving mm-hmm. it her all. She was acting the shit out of that part. She was like, you yeah. know, it was a really – intense performance at times like i'm thinking of the scene where she had the rollers in her hair and she's yelling and there was Mm -hmm. a lot to work with there but for some reason like it just all it was like melissa leo and um or in the fighter how the fighter just it built up all that stuff about the family being unhealthy and then it just it all unraveled at the end like it didn't even Mm -hmm. matter like the movie you just saw didn't even matter (laughs) it all unravels so that they can tie it up in a a seemingly happy way yeah so and it just feels like a cop-out I just think that the New York film critics, what's happened to them? What has happened to them, you know? 
they're caught they up like in this, bad movies no they they're caught up in this oscar frenzy they because they move their date back to be first before the oscar race so for two years in a row now they've picked movies that um, hadn't been reviewed or seen and that are they're totally out of context right usually when you are judging a movie at a critics race you're kind of looking at its context in the year they picked these new movies and zero dark 30 was a great choice american hustle not a great choice Sorry to say. You just wonder why there's not why there aren't more members within the group who want to speak out against the fact that like why why are we wanting to move up our date earlier and earlier? Because there were people in the in the Boston film critics who said, Look, we would probably have given Wolf of Wall Street a lot more awards if we, if enough of us enough of us had seen it. Yeah. But they and they said that openly, publicly, that that was the situation. So why would any critics group want to jump the gun except, as you say, just to be the first influencer, just the ones to sort of like only reason they did it and for them to deny it is a joke and they do they deny it all the time um they're so annoying to the film critics now it's like they're not even real film critics but they're as, as annoying as they ever were like that sam adams that awful sam adams did you know he wrote a whole article about us ryan about that utah thing on IndieWire? i'm not surprised yeah article. i'm not surprised at all <laughs> With my tweets and his tweets. He would not leave us alone that day. I didn't know where he came from, but all of a sudden he was up both of our asses all day long that day. I had so much fun with him, though, because I turned it around. Like, as soon as he started coming at me, I started going, good for you for standing up for film critics. They really need your support. We shall overcome, you know, critics' (laughs) rights. They're the, you know, the most downtrodden group out there. I'm so proud of you. You know, like I totally turned it around and did that with him. But Good for he you. wrote a whole fucking piece about it. And you know what he well, said? And you know why he, he did that too? It's just to, to because he even said something. I heard, I saw him say something later that day after we finally, after we stopped arguing with him, I heard him say something like, my clout score is going to be through the roof. He tweeted that. I know he's because, such a douchebag. He is representative mm-hmm. of the douchebaggery that is film criticism yeah. now. And and he, he wrote in his thing, he's like, yes, it's true. All film critics happen to be white. Do I think this means that that's why Gravity won over 12 Years a Slave? Well, I don't know. Uh-huh. So you don't Way to take a know. stand, buddy. Yeah, you don't even know, really? You don't know? Well, we don't know either, do we? That's what our that whole post was about. Not I will be first to admit that I stumbled badly that day. And I, I, I did something early in the morning that I probably, if I had time to think about it, I, I would have deleted on my own but I, I i did something and i stepped away from the desk for four or five hours and when i came back there was this entire shit storm and i wasn't going to back down then i might as well just go ahead and just just you know just know. Ex- try to explain what i had done and, and and explain first of all mainly that it was just a joke my god they think they're so puffed up with self-importance <laughs> that they are scandalized when anyone would dare criticize them you know mm-hmm. film critics because they're already puffed mm-hmm. up now that they're in the film critics group they're puffed up with self-importance importance you know mm-hmm. and the good ones like andrew o'hare and you know the old timers like uh owen gleberman and you know the the really good old time critics they know that there's bias involved it's the new ones the dumb new ones who don't what was so hilarious to me about the utah thing is i made some kind of remark about the fact that utah's population is only one percent black people and their their, their best argument for me is to tell me that do you not even know that most of our utah film critics are not even from utah well yeah okay then those are not the people i'm talking about obviously you know if you have critics from new york who are members of the utah film critics society then i'm not talking about you and his stupid headline was website smears utah film critics 
great. And I, like, I'm sure Poor he lives Utah in... Poor Utah film critics. Poor Utah film critics. We have to stand right. up for them. They have it so hard in life. <laughs> but they just, you know, there were people who were just kind of like, they just wait for you and I both to make some sort of slip up and so that they can, they can, yeah. they can find that chink in the armor and then just gnaw on it like a dog with a bone. Oh, I know they do. I know they still come at me. Anytime something wins, they go... People write me nasty tweets like, oh, aren't you going to say anything about racism this time? Are you going to call out racism? And I point out to them, I never used the word racism. You used it. No. Right. Exactly right. Me, That's the same way with me. Yeah. And besides, you know what, Ryan? Who cares? You know, it's worth being a pain in the ass over something like this. Film critics can deal with it. White film critics in Utah can deal with it, believe me. You know, <laughs> no, really. It's not like we're saying they're sad. racist. It's just you're, you're, we're talking about a mindset. And, and not even in that instance, because gravity, they liked gravity fine. Okay, they did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was coming off the heels of the New York film critics um, shunning 12 Years a Slave and all of the film critics, except it, it later started to pick up again. And I think probably a lot of that had to do with people kicking up a fuss, you know. But the stink of frontrunner, Oscar frontrunner, was on 12 Years a Slave, and suddenly, through no fault of its own, it started to fall in the ranks in the awards race simply because it, it would have been touted as a frontrunner. And mm-hmm. that's not the movie's fault, you know? Well, there's still five weeks to go, so maybe its new underdog status will help it out, and it'll it'll be it'll go against gravity instead. I always well, I agree that, with but... what you said, Sasha. What it really needs right now is to just like kill at the BAFTAs. It just absolutely needs to slay and just win everything inside, and then yeah. maybe people will give it some reassessment. But that's going to be pretty late in the game because yep. we know that most people fill out their Oscar ballots as soon as they get them. Yep, that's the problem. The BAFTAs come too late. Yeah. And John Ridley probably won't win the WGA now that I found out he crossed the picket line. So they're not going to vote for him. So he's probably not going to win the yeah. WGA. He might not even win the Oscar. Where uh, did this theory come along that people vote early? I always vote as late as I possibly can because I'm a procrastinator. It's just somebody said that there was research done that proves that mm. people all voted early. Well, I can't argue with research. Yeah, because like, <laughs> they're all old timers. You know, and they like to get it done early because they're old timers. They don't have anything to do. It's like if they the don't do it right away, they're going to misplace their ballot, and they don't know what they did with it. Because <laughs> right. Golden Girls is coming on in an hour, and they've got a nap, and then... <laughs> oh, God, no. That's so mean. But um, at any rate, I, I feel I'm bummed out that this year turned out to, to have been at this for 15 years and to have been waiting all this time and to see film- great filmmakers come and go who can't get fucking arrested in the Oscar race as black filmmakers because their movies are either deemed bad by the critics, like The Butler, or The Great Debaters, or any other movie, Aquila and the Bee, you know, you name it. If it's about black people, unless it's directed by a white dude. And, you know, we can't even be we can't even be left alone to be bummed out because all you said last night at the end of the evening and you had a lot of stuff going on last night for yourself offline. You just wanted to make sure that that, that we got the news online and that you got the site back online and the servers are fixed and everything. And then you wanted to go ahead and enjoy the rest of your evening. So when the, uh, the winner was announced, you said something like. Um, so good night, everybody. Yawn. Yeah. And you got all kinds of a for, for saying yawn. You got a lot of criticism for that. And it's like we can't even say that. We can't even be we can't even say out loud that we're a little bit bored. 
Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think they think of me as like a mommy figure. So it's like, mommy didn't like my movie. But you know what? I do <laughs> oh, like the movie. I really do. I love Gravity. Everybody knows I love Gravity. I know you do. And it was such an innocent thing to say. It was like the end of the evening. We had all been at it for like four hours already. And it was sort of anticlimactic. And it's just it like, was yeah, okay. No, and that's exactly what we expected. So exactly. we're a little bit bored by it. Yep. Well, and the, and the internet has devolved into being either Team Edward or Team Jacob. And, you, right. and if you don't 100% love a movie, then you're 100% against it. It's like this weird us versus them yes, nonsense. indeed. And and I have to admit, anything but Alfonso Cuaron, Cuaron winning would have not elicited a yawn response from me. But of course not. The exact right. same yeah. thing that everybody had been predicting to happen happening is boring. I'm sorry, but it is. Mm-hmm. Gravity fans, it's not, you know, but I'm not a gravity non fan. I'm not a gravity non fan. I'm just someone who would like to see big changes. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I just would like to. I'm, I'm bored of the Oscar race. I'm bored of white person taste. I'm bored of white middle aged men deciding what is called best picture of the year over and over and over again. And, and I'm, I'm sick of having to talk about things in terms of what they will like, what they will vote for. Especially when we see and when we have absolute proof and evidence with the PGA that is so close, that the margin is razor thin. It's the same sort of sick feeling that you have when Al Gore loses Florida by 50 votes or something, and then right. we end up with eight years of George Bush because we know we were so close. <laughs> right. And people say, well, why do you even write about the Oscars if you're so frustrated by them? Right. And it's for the same reason. I said this earlier in a tweet. I said it's for the same reason that you, you can't tell me America, love it or leave it. It. That's not the attitude that I take about it. I look at the I look at America and I look at the Oscars like you're right on the verge of being something really great. If we can just kind of like give you a little nudge in the right direction, nudge in the right direction. And um, but people just can't understand why they we're mad all the time. Why we even want to be Oscar writers? Well, I tell you, I got a, I didn't sh- send this to you, Ryan, but I got a letter from uh, a reader a reader who says he never goes in the comments, and it was a really incredible letter i put it on facebook but it was like i just want you to know that i'm a filmmaker and i started reading your site when i was like 13 or 15 or whatever and he said and because of you because of the way you write about women because of the way you've made me change you've changed the way that i think and now as a i'm in you know i work for this studio or that studio i was in the studio and i'm you know as a as a coming up filmmaker i'm i look at women's parts differently i'm going to write women's roles differently and that is because of you so i feel like yeah, people think I'm a big pain in the ass. They think I'm shrill and bitchy and hysterical and paranoid and all of those things. But every once in a while, someone comes along like that reader or Ava DuVernay, who said, mm-hmm. you know, is so excited to have gotten attention from our site and from all mm-hmm. three of us to, to where she said it made it made the difference in her career. So if you have a, if you have I have my own business. I'm not beholden to any corporation. I don't have to cover anyone's ass. I don't have to do the status quo. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Freedom of speech in America dictates this, right? So whatever people, people can deal with their annoyance in their own way, you know, but I think that, I think that at the end of the day, you have to sort of fight the good fight 
Absolutely. And you can't and you can be discouraged by people who are going to like point their finger and laugh if we don't if the big changes don't happen overnight, because it's like going door to door when you're campaigning for a candidate. You just have to knock on every door and you get a lot of doors slammed in your face. But once in a while, you do get the person who invites you in, like this filmmaker yeah. who wrote to you and listens to what you have to say. And you can actually change a mind or two one at a time. Right. And it, it irritates people enough that they think about it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's my my whole plan is to be a big enough pain in the ass that maybe someone somewhere thinks about it, you know, and that they know it's an issue. Be glad that you matter enough that people bitch about it. If they didn't bitch about it, then that would mean nobody cared. Right. And I'm probably, mm-hmm. that's probably coming next, but. Nah. Am I? But, you nah. know, look at, for all, I, I started this fucking business, you know, Oscar blogging. I started it. And all the, there are so many sites around that are doing exactly what I used to do. And look, the world does not need another of those. It really doesn't. It doesn't need another Scott Feinberg. It doesn't need another Ann Thompson. It doesn't need another Chris Tapley or Tom O'Neill or, you know, it doesn't need someone going Sunday night, Saturday night, Alfonso Cuaron's going to win the Best Director's Guild. You know, <laughs> the world mm-hmm. does not need mm-hmm. another person to say that. The world does need someone to predict Steve McQueen as the only person in a sea of 50 to predict it and to have it be wrong. So what? But at least people looked at it and they thought about it for a minute, you know? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, and somebody to, to, somebody to bitch about it when it doesn't happen. It's important too. Yeah, and also, you know, it's it's a place for people who do who are of a like mind who do some of the a lot of people do feel the same way we do and they like to have a, a port in the storm. They like to have a safe haven or a refuge where they can turn to where there's not somebody just parroting the party line and in, indulging in group things. They like to come to a site where there's um some um Unique thought going on. And we have some yeah, incredible... There are 9,000 websites you can go to and feel good about liking Gravity or American right. Hustle. Right. And yeah. there's so many incredible readers we have, like the commenters. I mean, I used to go to the comments and it used to just bum me out. Now I go to read the comments and it makes me feel good because there are so many thinkers in there. You know, really, there really are, aren't there? Know, I'm so yeah. impressed this year, especially this year has been one of the very best for the commenters. Absolutely. That's, yeah. There's less trolls, maybe because we separated from the forums. I don't know, Possibly. I think maybe that's part of it. And also, I just think we have used a little bit of a carrot and stick kind of thing. And we, we, we engage the people who are, who are uh, great to talk to. And we sort of ignore the other people or yeah. get rid of them in, in other ways. And, and eventually, we've, we've ended up with a really great group. Through selective breeding. Selective breeding. <laughs> You've been listening to episode 57 of Oscar Podcast with Craig Kennedy from livinginsinema.com, Ryan Adams, and me, Sasha Stone from awardsdaily.com, with special guest Michael Gray.